doing today? I tell you, I, I, lo I, love, I love my brother singing bass. You know, I like that bass in there. That's good stuff. Guys, I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. And, um, man, I tell you what's cool. I, I love how, how ministry works and the, and the places you get to go. And, you know, I came here a couple of years ago, and I, I met some people and made some acquaintances. But now I get to call a lot of you all friends, and I'm so thankful for that. And uh, so I just want to honor the friendships that we have in this house. Look forward to continuing to, to nourish those and to get to know more people as, uh, as our time, you know, hopefully just keeps on intermingling and entwining. It's a good thing. Um, also, I just want to take a moment and honor your pastor. Is that okay? Uh, pastor Sammy, I just, I just want to honor you uh, from, from one pastor that's kind of on the front side of his journey to one who's right in the middle, because I know you're not anywhere close to being done. But, but, but really, guys, to have, to have a man who is just remained faithful to the call of God on his life and also with his wife, because for what many don't know is everything that a pastor endures, uh, a pastor's wife endures that much and more because they often are so much more connected. You know, us pastors, we're, we're connected, but we have to be able to kind of, you know, brush it off like they say a little bit because sometimes people stink, you know. <laughs> I'm telling you, and, you know, I have the privilege of being able just to be honest with you guys because I'm, I'm leaving in a couple hours. But I promise you, people are the best and worst, worst part of ministry, really. I mean, the, the first church I, I served in, um, I, I was serving under a, a longtime pastor, and he told me, um, you know, I was kind of wet behind the ears, and I had just come off the road as an evangelist. I'd been traveling for three and a half years full-time all over churches and uh, all over the world, really, with a group called Team Extreme, breaking bricks, flipping over cars, preaching Jesus, and going to churches when I wasn't doing that. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun, but, but um, Pastor Noel told me, he said, uh, T.W., you'll find that ministry is an absolute blast as long as people don't get involved. <laughs> But we, we, we say that because ultimately we, we love people, and that's just really it. We, we want to see people come into their, their destiny and their, and their God-given purpose. But, but back, to, back to Brother Sammy. Brother Sammy, I just want to honor you as, uh, as a man of God who's exemplified to not only to, to, to pastors around but to, but to your church, your, your community of what faithfulness looks like. So can we just honor your pastor this morning? Amen. And uh, thank you so much for... Thank you so much for sharing your pulpit with me. What, what an honor it is to, uh, to be able to, to share a pulpit with, with Brother Sammy. Um, I got my son with me. Trig, you want to stand up and wave at everybody? This is my eight-year-old son, Trig. He is a, yeah. See, you, you might have got more of an applause than I'll get at the end of the day. That's good. But uh, Trig is uh, Trig's an awesome young man. He takes after his daddy in a lot of good ways. Takes after his mama. And the no, I'm joking. I, <laughs> I won't go there. No, Trig is he's he's my buddy. He's my best friend. We have a lot of fun together. I've got three boys: Titus, who was here with me in September. He's nine. Trig is eight, and we have Taven, who's three. If we'd have had Taven first, I'd have only told you about one of them because he is everything we can handle and more. And and I don't know something about that third child that they just think that they have they can do everything the big boys can do and, and he's just he's just a handful but he's a lot of fun and we love him I love to be able to take my boys with me on times like this not only just to have fun but to but to be able to minister because as a as a father I want my boys to remember okay see and I'll, I'll tell you when, when Jesus saved me he gave me water sockets for eyes and so that's just how I am okay I'm a big teddy bear just nothing but a pile of mush just in that's just that's that's what Jesus did he transforms us 
But when my boys grow up, I want them to be able to say that my daddy was a great husband to my mommy. And what's funny about that? <laughs> and I want them to be able to say that, they, that he was a great daddy to me. But ultimately, as a, as a father and, and as a man of God, it's the greatest privilege of my life to demonstrate to my boys, hopefully, what it looks like to live a life sold out for Jesus. And just to say, I'm willing to lay it all on the line to do everything that he's called me to do. And so that's the, uh, that's the value, men, that we have as, as fathers and husbands and as dads to, to, to leave a legacy for our kids, not, not about what we leave behind, but the investment we've made in that which is eternal, the kingdom of God that is established and will go on for all eternity. Amen. And so it's my privilege to have my son with me, and whenever my three-year-old gets older, he'll start going with me on trips. And, and again, it is a, it's an absolute joy to be here. For, if you can remember the last time I was here, you, you'll, you'll, you'll know that I am a responsive preacher. And what that means is that I encourage crowd participation, okay? Pastor Sammy said that, we, that, the, that, the, that the television program and the radio program go off at noon. So he says you have until noon to give your first closing. And as a pastor, we, we normally we have four or five, okay? So, so help me out as I'm going. So let's, let's practice. Everyone say yes. Say come on. Say amen. Say all right. Any of those are fair game, and you can throw out whatever else you want to, too. Just let me know that you're with me, and I promise you we'll get through this a lot faster. Does that sound good? All right. Hey, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, you are so good looking. <laughs> look at your other neighbor and say, hey. Look at your other neighbor and say, hey. You've lost weight. Now, one more time, look at anyone you, you, you want to and say, you look like the person. You guys, come on. I just talked to say, look at somebody and say, you look like the person that's going to take me out for lunch after this. Come on. See, you'll get somewhere. Oh, man, we better pray over this message before we, before we crash it into the side of a mountain. Here we go. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the way that you love us, for the privilege we have to be called yours. And Lord, I pray in this short amount of time that we have together right now that you would guard my lips this morning, that only the words that are birthed from your heart will be released. And I thank you, Lord, that there is a double portion of anointing on these words because they were anointed as they were stirred and they will be anointed as they're birthed. Father, may your word go forth as good seed as you have declared that it is. May it fall on soil that's ready to receive and ears that are ready to hear so that your word would produce fruit in our lives 30, 60, and 100 fold. If you're ready to receive the word, say amen. Amen. Okay, let's start off. We're going to read in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. We're going to read to verse 52. I think it will be up above me if you, uh, if you're, if you don't have your Bible with you. So we'll go ahead and start that. In Mark 10, 46 in the NASB, it says, then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying, saying, Take courage, stand up, he is calling you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. On the road. I want to just quickly give a, a little bit of information this morning as we, as we get into this story. I mean, just really a, a fantastic story. Um, even Pastor Sammy and I were talking about the message or about some of the previous messages that he spoke about when truth shows up. Pastor Sammy said, you know, the, the, the blind had no hope before truth showed up. And this is the case for, for blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was one who had no hope. The only hope he had was in what he wore. And I'm going to talk to you about what he wore. What he wore was the cloak. What we see in Scripture, it says, throwing away his cloak. Now, this, this was not just a jacket that people of the, of the area wore whenever it was chilly outside. This cloak that Bartimaeus had on was a cloak that was assigned, that was given to, to people that were in like condition that he would be found in. This cloak, for, for, for use of a better, for, 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 for uh, for, for lack of a better words, would be a government-issued subsidy that he would be able to put on and wear every single day. This cloak was actually referred to as a beggar's coat, cloak. It was a covering or a mantle or robe that every single day, the lost, the lame, the beggars, the lepers, the blind, the deaf, the dumb, the crippled, they would, they would be given these clothes and, and, and they, they would be recognized by what they wore, by what they had on. They had to have these because in this society, in the society and the times, this cloak would signify that these people were worthy to receive alms, were worthy to receive what they were begging for, what they were asking for. This was a way that, that when people would see Bartimaeus, they would say, okay, he's obviously one who really has an ailment that, in, that enables him from doing anything, so he's, he's able to receive the handout that I give. So this was something that he was dependent on. This was, this was given really to the outcast, to the cursed of society, the ones that couldn't do anything for themselves because of their past or present situation. The cloak would have been given, would have been given to him by somebody in authoritative position to signify to who Bartimaeus was to society. The significance of the cloak said that he was unworthy to be a part of community but able to receive alms if needed. This cloak was also a calling card for shame. It was also custom, not unfortunately, this is an unfortunate custom of the day, that even as people who had these physical ailments, they would have these cloaks, many would think that they were cursed by God. And as a result, in their, in, in, in their, in, in their misunderstanding, of, a rep of, of what this ailment in their life represented, oftentimes people would treat them as if they were cursed by God. It was not out of the, it was not out of the ordinary for, for people who were, who were in, in wearing these cloaks, who were blind, who were deaf, who were crippled, 
to be treated like the least of society, to be treated as a curse, to be spat on as they were walking by. It was, it, was, it was illegal for people in this time to even to look up. When they walked through the city streets, they had to hang their head in shame. They, the, the, the lepers had to, had to call out unclean so people wouldn't even be on the same side of the road. They were literally treated as a curse. Their only hope, the only hope for people in this situation, in this position, was what they covered themselves in every day. It was their only source it was their only source for life, but it was also, as I said, a calling card for shame. And he was, this cloak was a constant reminder of who the world said that he was. This cloak was a constant reminder of the fact that he was, in so many people's opinions, less than worthy of what God had to offer. These people didn't even believe, didn't even have the understanding. They, 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 they were told over and over again that they were a curse of God, that God didn't have what was best for them. They, told, they were told how, 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 how they were lower in the, in the means of society. This is what this cloak represented. It was a constant calling card of who the world said they was. And, 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 this, and Bartimaeus would understand every single morning when he put this cloak on what it represented for him. It represented that he had no hope. He had no hope outside of the covering that he put on. He, when he put this on, he understood that he was literally wrapping himself in something that would bring shame every single day. This was even, this cloak was even, uh, even, even regarded as something. It was a reminder of, uh, of the fact that people had this, this, this belief that it was because of something that he had done or something his family had done that would cause God to curse him. It was a reminder of, of the sin nature. Remember when the disciples met a blind one and they asked Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, this one or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, it was for the, so the glory of God would be on display. This is how, see, sin was associated with, 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 the, with the result of the things that we would see, the blindness and things like this. So people thought that this man must have done something horrible to wind up like this. It was a constant reminder every single day that Bartimaeus woke up that this that he put on would be the limit for the rest of his life. So I just draw this picture I just draw this picture to correlate with us to see if maybe there's anybody in here that can correlate in some way with what Bartimaeus was going through. And if you'll give me just a few more minutes, I'll try to expand on that and put that together. I would even imagine in a, in, in a room this size that there are many of us, knowingly or unknowingly, are waking up every single day and putting on a cloak that we were never intended to wear. You see, your cloak might look different than Bartimaeus's, but oftentimes, even us good-going church folk, we can wake up and put on a cloak that we were never intended to wear, but because it's just become second nature, we put it on, and our cloaks might look different, that they might seem different, they might have different designs, but really, we're still putting on a cloak for many of us. Some people's cloak can look like the fact that there's shame. They wake up and they live their life in shame because of where they've been, what's happened, or what they've done. 
Many people can put on a cloak that looks like depression. Many people can put on a cloak that looks like anger. And, and it's just this cloak that we pick up that we wear and we don't know how to get away from it because it's just who we are. And in fact, then we begin to believe the lie of the enemy that says you are what covers you. You see, the enemy, the greatest lie that the enemy tries to speak to us, to, to, to us that God has created in his image is he tries to lie away our identity. He tries to lie us out of who God says we are. He tries to get us to believe anything other than what God says about us. And when we believe the enemy's lie, that becomes the cloak that we wear. When we believe that we're unworthy, just like Bartimaeus, we believe this lie that says, man, I'm just, yep, I might be saved, but I'm really unworthy of anything else that God has. I'm really unworthy of anything that God might do for me. We stay in this place of worthiness. And here's the deal. Here's the reality. You're right in the fact that, yes, we are unworthy. You are unworthy. I am unworthy. But the beauty of the cross is that Jesus made you worthy. Come on, man. That was good. I'll try this side. The beauty of the cross is that Jesus made you worthy. It's not about you. It's about one who is much better and paid an ultimate price so that we would stand before God justified, righteous, and worthy of everything that he has for us. But the enemy tries to lie us out of the reality of what Jesus paid to bring us into. You see, it's not about you. Touch your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And if you believe that he, what he did was enough, you'll understand that you weren't created to wear a cloak that God never created or for, for, you to, for, for you to put on. So shame and guilt or whatever it is that we put on, it's not ours to wear. But because maybe it's been spoken, because maybe we've just believed a lie for so long, we just wake up every day and we put it on. This is Bartimaeus. He's put on the cloak. But I believe, here's the thing, guys. I, I believe that there was something in Bartimaeus, and, and it's the same thing that is inside of each one of us that has a desire, an innate desire for something more. And that's what Jesus comes to offer. He comes to offer something more. Have you noticed that when Jesus called people, he had the same invitation for everyone that he called? When Jesus called to Peter, and James, and Andrew, and John, what were they doing? They were out fishing, weren't they? He called to them, and he, and he, and he called them in to follow. He called them to follow him. And then, and, and, and what's interesting about Peter, James, Andrew, and John is that they were fishermen. They, they were hard-working men. They were, they, were, they were the blue-collar men of society. They just buckled up their, their sandals every single day and went out and said, I'm going to work from the time the sun comes up till the time the sun goes down, and if I haven't caught enough fish, I'm going to fish through the night. They were hard-working men, and Jesus showed up, and he called to them. And then you have somebody like, like, like Philip and Nathaniel, the, 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 the good boys, the, the goody two-shoes of the group, right? Nathaniel comes to Jesus after Philip says, we found the Messiah, we found the one. And Nathaniel said, I don't believe you, but I'm going to go check it out just to see. And as he's coming, Jesus speaks and he calls him by name and says, there's Nathaniel, a man in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, you know me. And Jesus says, I saw you sitting under the tree. 
I see, I, I know you, Philip. I, I know you, Nathaniel. And Philip, his buddy, and he gives them the invitation. He says, come and follow me. And then you have the no good, rotten center of society, the, the bad boy of the group. You have Levi, the tax collector, Matthew, who's sitting at a tax collector's booth. And Jesus sees him, and Peter says, I know what he's thinking. Don't call, don't do it, Jesus. Don't do it, Jesus. And, and you know, and, and Matthew is the worst of the worst. He left his religion, he left his family to go literally choose to live in sin, to steal for a living, to pat his own pockets. And Jesus looks at Matthew in the heart and love of God just oh, just explodes out of Jesus and he says Matthew come follow me and instantly Matthew sees Jesus and he says there's something about following you that will cause me to leave everything I have because I believe you're calling me in to something more and that's what Jesus does it doesn't matter where we've been, where we are, or where we're going. When we turn and follow Jesus, the invitation is always into something more. You see, there's a desire in every single one of us for something more. And the something more is impossible to realize outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the more that we yearn for. He's the more. He's the more that our heart desires for. He's the one. How many of you guys can relate to my story? That you searched for everything else and it didn't satisfy. Until you found Jesus. Or until you realized that he had been looking and searching for you. And when you turned to Jesus, all of a sudden your heart came alive and you said, I'm alive now. Because you understand that Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have life to the full. The fullness of life cannot be realized outside of a relationship with Jesus. He is the more. Bartimaeus, just like all of us, needed something more. Wanted something more. And it was found in Jesus. Because Bartimaeus, there's no doubt, knew about Jesus. He knew about Jesus. He'd heard the stories. That's why we know. We, we know this because the moment Bartimaeus heard the crowd scuffling by, he said, what's going on? And somebody said, Jesus is coming. And there arose a, a, a desire in him that realized that the only thing that would, that, would, that, that would bring him into something more is what Jesus could offer. And I love the response of Bartimaeus. He said, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone around him was saying, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Don't make any noise. I love, guys, how the, how, the, how the simplistic message of the gospel can be realized even in this encounter with Bartimaeus. It's true. The gospel is all throughout the Word of God. Maybe next time I'll come and I'll, I'll preach about, about water pots in the gospel. The jugs and how you can, how, 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 the, how the time that Jesus turned the water into wine, we can see the, the message of the gospel in those times. If Pastor Samuel will give me another opportunity if I don't mess it up too bad this morning. But you can see this. And let me, let me just point it out to you really fast. Man, I wish I had another 45 minutes, but I'll, I'm going to go quick this morning. The gospel illustrated in this story. We see Bartimaeus, one who was lost and without hope. And then he hears that Jesus is coming. We know the word that says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. There was one who was lost without any hope, and Jesus was coming. Aren't you glad that Jesus came? We see the beginning. Jesus came. 
And then the next thing that happens is Bartimaeus shouts, Jesus, have mercy on me. The word of God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see one who was lost, and then Jesus is coming. His response is he calls out to Jesus. He calls out to Jesus. It's exactly what I've done. It's exactly what many of you have done. And if today you're not in here living in a right relationship with Jesus, today you are going to have an opportunity to make that same call. He called out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus is faithful. Touch somebody and say, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful. Everyone else was trying to quiet him down. Everyone was trying to silence his shouts. And sometimes that happens to us, but I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to talk about shutting down the the haters, man. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We got to keep focused on the time here. (laughs) But Jesus heard the cry of Bartimaeus. He heard the cry, and what did Jesus do? He called him to him. He heard his cry, and he called out to the one who was lost. And he said, come to me. He said, come to me. And in verse 49, this is what it says. Take courage. Stand up. He's calling you. This is what's happened to every single one of us. We were lost. Jesus came. We realized our condition, the fact that we were without hope. And we called out to Jesus, and he responded. He said, come to me, all who are weary and I will give you rest. Everything we need is found in Jesus. Jesus offers more. So he calls Bartimaeus to him. He calls Bartimaeus to him, and this is what the word says. Throwing away his cloak, throwing away his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And Jesus' response to him in verse 52 says this, Go, your faith has made you well. And I love the response of Bartimaeus in this moment. Jesus had literally just set him free. He said, Go, your faith has made you well. He was saying, Go, live in freedom. In the response of Bartimaeus, instantly, the word says this, Immediately he began to follow Jesus. You see, true freedom isn't going and doing whatever you want. True freedom is choosing to do what is is right. Bartimaeus in this moment said, yes, I could be free to do whatever I want, but my freedom says I choose to follow you, Jesus. And this was the response of Bartimaeus in this moment. I'm going to follow you, but here's what's amazing. I love this, this passage right here, and I've got seven minutes to preach it. Pray for me. The Word says, And he threw away the cloak. Notice, notice in Bartimaeus' life. Now somebody needs to hear this. Don't touch your neighbor and tell him it's you. (laughs) Somebody needs this though. Notice, it was not until he threw away the cloak that he could freely follow Jesus. It wasn't until he threw away the cloak that covered him that he could be free to truly follow Jesus. You see, the cloak represented, as I talked about in the beginning, the cloak represented everything from his past and current situation. But when we come to Jesus, there is freedom from our past and current situation. 
In this moment, I love how he responded. He said immediately, he, what he was saying is no longer am I going to allow this cloak to define who I am. Do you notice that he didn't get healed whenever Jesus called him? It wasn't until after he had come to Jesus. It wasn't until after he had thrown away the cloak. You see, if I would have been Bartimaeus, I would have said, Jesus, heal me first, and then I'm going to throw everything away. Give me what I want first, and then I'll get rid of Come on. I'm preaching to somebody today. See, that's how I would have been. I would have said, give me what I want, and then I'll follow you. Bartimaeus, when the moment Jesus said, bring him to me, he threw away his cloak. He said, this will not limit me. In Come on, somebody. He said, this won't limit me anymore. No longer will this cloak define me. No longer will I be covered with guilt and shame and hurt and oppression and depression. He says, I'm going to throw it away because I know what he has is better than what I got. Come on, somebody. That's worth giving Jesus a hand clap of praise in my church anyway. Woo! Come on. Yes. Because Jesus got something more. And he said, I'm not going to let this be my source anymore. Not only was it as his covering, but it was also his source. You see, sometimes our covering, our covering becomes our source. Our covering becomes our protector. Bartimaeus said, no longer. I will look to you, the author and perfecter of my faith. No longer am I going to allow this covering to be my source because I know you've got something better, Jesus. Jesus has something more. But do you know, it wasn't until, as I said, Bartimaeus was willing to throw away what had covered him, that he was free to do what Jesus had called him to do. And it was at that moment that healing came to his life. He received what he needed when he was willing to let go of everything that used to hold him. That's the gospel. Pastor Sammy, that's the gospel. It's only when you're willing to let go of everything that you've tried to hold on to. Because here's the reality. We, 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 we try to lie to ourselves and say, well, this stuff is just holding on to me. Guys, here's the reality. You make a choice on what you allow to cover you. Come on now. I don't have enough time. But it's true. You make the choice on what you allow to cover you and to hold on to you. But here's the thing. Jesus has something more. And I'm coming to a close. I'm going to make it by 12. Praise God. Thanks for your prayers. Here's the reality. One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3 in, chapter, in verse 10. The word says, this is just the promise of God. We have the things that we try to cover ourselves with, but Jesus has something more. God has something more. He says he gives you a crown of beauty instead of ashes, a mantle of praise instead of discouragement, clothes clothes of victory in a robe of righteousness. You see, his covering is better than anything you could ever look and find to cover yourself with. Come on, somebody. That's just good preaching. And I didn't even have to do it. His word did it. Come on. That's the best preaching right there. His covering is better than anything you could ever find on your own. His covering is better than anything 
then you could try to be putting on yourself. His covering is better. And it's for every single one of us. At my lowest and worst, God looked at me and said, you're still worthy of my best. No matter where you are, no matter what you have covered yourself with, no matter the lie that the enemy has spoken over your life that says, this is who you are, this is what covers you, God says, I've got something more. But to get the more of God, church, to get the more of God, Mountain View, you have to be willing to throw away the cloak. Before Pastor Sammy comes, would you stand and let me pray over you? We'll let Pastor Sammy conduct the invitation this morning. But I just want to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to every single person here? Would you reveal truth to their heart? Because that's what you are. That's who you are. Jesus said when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. Even this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal to the hearts of those who are putting on a covering that's not what you gave them. Who are trying to cover themselves in something that you have never ordained them to wear. And Lord, I thank you for your promise is that you've got something better to cover us with. A garment of salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Even this morning, if there's anybody not living in a relationship with Jesus, this morning, I declare in his mighty and powerful name is the day of salvation. Pastor Sam.